Yo, 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 is this, is this thing on? Uh, this is your boy, Dr. Fahamu Paku, live from Atlantis. You know how we do. And I'm tuned in, locked in to Studio Noise. Yes, yes, it's the noise. You got your fabrics picked out. You got your scissors ready. You got your thread. You sitting down. Oh, you ready to go, baby. You ready to make that noise. The sound of creation, expression. That's what we love right here. And if you love it, then you are in the right place. This is Studio Noise Podcast, sponsored by NBAF, National Black Arts. Uh, still doing it. They doing some cool stuff. Check their check their feed over there. Uh, they just did a a live video studio visit with Studio Noise fam Tracy Morrell doing a resin pour. You know, cool stuff for you to check out on your free time. You know what I'm saying? Go look them up. But this is the Studio Noise podcast. It's everything that you love about art podcasts. I mean, thoughtful insights, tips and tricks, inspirations, uh, artists telling their stories in their own voice, all of that. But we give you a double shot of melanin to go with it. Why? Because black people do art and black people make culture. And we talk about it right here on The Noise. It's your boy, the professor, Jay Barber, uh, keeping it live with you all summer long. My co-host, Jiggy Jazz, she's on assignment, has some stuff to do. So I told her, don't worry about it. I got it. I'm going to hold it down. So looks like it's just going to be me and you all summer long right here on The Noise. I'm flying solo, so what I'm going to do is make sure that we get to know each other right here on The Noise, so I ain't got to sit and talk to myself. I want to get to know you, and you get to know me, so I'm going to drop this question on you, and you can just go ahead and head over to the Studio Noise IG at Studio Noise Podcast. You'll see the graphic with the question. Just comment with your answers, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you back. I'll be in control. I'll hit you back all summer, and we can you know, keep this dialogue open, you know what I'm saying? So this question comes from this episode that you're listening to with another great guest, coming up just wait for it and so this week i'm gonna ask you who was the person that inspired you to be an artist who inspired you to be an artist it had it's always when you talk to artists it's always that one person that told them or gave them the possibilities of what to do so i'm gonna tell you my moment so i don't remember how old i was but i know that my mom got a card from my dad and it was on a manila envelope that he had he had cut the the tabs off of it and he drew like a garfield with a rose and like it was a birthday card or something like that and he wrote all kinds of stuff in the inside of it and so i don't know how old i was i had to be really young like four four or five or something like that but i remember looking at this card and thinking did he draw this did he make this himself like nobody did it for him like he didn't buy it nowhere. He didn't like he didn't bring it from outside the house. He did it. And, you know, you got to think about, you know, little kids when they look at their dads uh, way back in the day. So I remember very vividly my dad and my uncle Mike throwing my toy box that was shaped like a football that was full of toys. And they were outside over my head, just tossing it to each other. And I remember out in the. I was the same size as the football toy chest. So I was like, yo, this is incredible. This man 
is spectacular. <laughs> he is awesome and amazing. And so uh, with that vision of my dad is just being somebody that's providing, that protecting, that's strong. And then he drew this thing. He created it. He made it. So something about that, it was just like a Garfield. I don't even remember what it was. I think it was a Garfield with a rose around it. I just remember looking at it like, yo, I want to do that. I want to make stuff. Can I make stuff? And then that's when I got into uh, looking at kids books, looking at comic books, drawing out of there, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so that kind of started me on my journey. But something that that planted the seed inside of me to let me know that you can make things and make things is cool. That's uh, I think that is probably one of the moments that contributed to me being an artist. So, you know, what's your moment? Who's your person? Let me know. Just go ahead and comment uh, on the IG. I'm going to look forward to hearing from you. I appreciate all everybody that commented uh, last week on the question. You know, it's something new that we try. So we keeping it up and, uh, you know, keep this dialogue rolling. And that leads to the interview. And we got a great one for you today. We got a fantastic guest uh, coming in. She's a fifth generation quilter, uh, art dealer, art collector, uh, fantastic human being, an excellent cook from what I hear. <laughs> She's amazing. Uh, that's Miss Phyllis Stevens on the podcast. It's so great to hear her and let, let her tell her story in her own voice. And that's what we're here for, baby. So right after the break, we got Miss Phyllis Stevens on the noise. Esteemed pleasure of sitting with fifth generation quilt maker, uh, art dealer, art collector, just awesome woman all around. Miss Phyllis Stevens, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, I always enjoy talking to you anytime I get a chance. So uh, I think people are really going to enjoy this, like hearing your voice and stuff. Well, that's good. Let's get started. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we talked a, a little bit uh, the other day about this new body of work that you got coming up. And so I guess we'll start the conversation right now. Let's go ahead and get into it. I have a new body of work that um, stems from, you know, defining your imaging. You know, you don't get to, no one else gets to define that for you. That's a that's a self thing. Maybe your mama defines your imaging, but no one else. And it stemmed from a story um, or an incident from a young woman that I'm very close to called me crying and said to me, can you find my mom? And I said, what's wrong? She said, they're going to terminate me from my job. They've given me two weeks to uh, do something else with my hair. So, of course, Jamal, you know, I was like, do what to your hair? Yeah. She said, cut my locks. Oh. Yeah. I was stunned. I was stunned, and I'm not really stunned um, because I know the temperature that's going on in America now. And I said, cut your locks. He said, yes. He says, I have a new boss, and he said that my locks were um, not professional 
for the clients that we see. Now, this woman is, this young lady is a 23-year-old, top-of-her-class graduate from Brown University, beautiful in every way. Um, so that kind of got me fired up because I've known her since she was a, maybe two or three years old. I know how magnificent she is. Then she said, Miss Phyllis, I want to send you a picture of my cubicle mate. I didn't even know. Wait, I'm in art. I don't even know what a cubicle <laughs> mate is. So she sends me a young white woman with um, long hair that has about 12 different colors in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I said, did they, did they, are they firing her too? She said, no, ma'am. Mm. So, you know, I just got to thinking that they want to set a standard of what our imaging should be. And I'm old. I grew up in the 60s. And I remember when Twiggy was uh, the, the, the icon of beauty, straight up and down, you know, flat in every area. Then they figured out how to get that lip, them hips, that booty. Y'all think Jennifer Lopez and Kim Kardashian created that. <laughs> But I grew up when that was not flattering. It was it was ugly, and you did every, you didn't you didn't you didn't show it off. You didn't flaunt it. You know, I said, ah, oh, they ain't figured out how to quite get these locks because once they do, it'll be good. Mm, they won't take that too. You know, they don't want that too. Yes, yeah. they love. They you know, I have a, a young friend of mine. It's a question being asked. You know, they love our culture. They love who we are. They just don't like us. Mm. But they don't get to tell us how to wear our hair, our natural hair that God gave us. They don't get to tell us that that's ugly, unprofessional, inappropriate. And so I just got became really, really angry, you know, with that, like angry on the level. So I started doing these quilts of what, you know, any black woman is just so beautiful to me. You know, we got oh, that yeah. thing that I love. Oh, yeah. I love it, too. I'm with you. I'm with I you. know you do. <laughs> So I started doing these quilts, trying to put them in various situations, trying to really keep everything extremely organic, organic, and um, I used a lot of flowers and a lot of nature, and I did beautiful black women. I um, put faces in them, something that I don't do, and then I found these white dolls, and I wasn't even trying to say white ain't right or white is ugly. I just was trying to say, we different. You ain't us. You can't determine what's going on with us. You don't understand. You ain't walk my walk. You ain't seen what a straightened comb look like. You don't know nothing. And you can't determine for me what my beauty is. Mm. I determine that for myself. And if I think my beauty is piercing or tattooing or, or you know, nappy hair or straight hair or locked hair, that's what I determine for myself. Yeah. That's your body. That's your body. Yeah. So it was like an assault to me. You know, you telling her she got to cut her hair or straighten it or do something. That's an assault on her person. So I became like enraged, which was good because one of the things that nothing else, nothing else will fuel an artist like passion. Mm, that's right. Or when they start walk, working on something that they're feeling completely, it will, everything, it does. When we work, everything that's inside of us comes out. And so I was just, uh, it, was, it was a fun time for me because I needed to get that out. You know, I needed to be free of that. 
So, you know, I got to tell everybody. So the flip side of this was that the new boss didn't know her. And I'm just going to talk about a mama who's one of the leading attorneys here in Atlanta. It's handled. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. Wait, wait. It's handled. Y'all know black mamas. <laughs> it's handled. Yeah, we can't. We can't let that go. Yeah, yeah, we can't yeah. That go. We, we, right. We do yeah, That's that's handled. But I was still because what about these young, beautiful women who don't have a mother that's a high-profile attorney that can handle it? Right. What about that girl? Right. Who has to make a decision whether I leave my job or I get or I, I'm forced to look like you say I should look. Mm. Doesn't mean I look good. Doesn't mean I look professional. It just says that you don't like the being that you see when you look at me. How horrible is that? Yeah. You know. Yeah. In this society, and you know, with with everything that's going on. And you I, know, think, it's, it, I think that's it, a, a a good amazing point because I, th- I think it is just a certain amount of their personal preference being true and it's, it's almost like confirmation bias about what they feel about black people in the first place because they can go through like a whole list of, of black quote unquote black hairstyles that are deemed inappropriate and they never put the same scrutiny on any white hairstyles that they think is inappropriate because ultimately, in their heart, they feel like whiteness is normal, and so Absolutely. whatever, and whatever better. we do, yeah. So whatever, even with all the colors in her hair, she's mm-hmm. still acceptable. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a very strange thing to have happened to her. So it, it, is this her first job out of school? This is her first job. You know, if we were laughing. We said, we told you not to go to Arkansas. <laughs> but, you know, you can't say that at this point. Um, um, you know, but, yeah, so this is this is your first job uh, out of school. And um, you're faced with this. But this is real life. Yeah. Because we're faced with, you know, do you walk outside do the wrong thing, get shot in the street. I mean, we're faced with so much as black people. I was listening the other day to the to Marvin Gaye's song was going on, which he recorded in 1971. And I just, I mean, really, I was almost tearful. This is you could you could play that song right now. You know, yeah, like like you know, why are you shooting me in the street? Why don't you just listen to me? You know, why don't you see me as a person? You know, what's going on? You could ask that question right now and, and and nothing. So now 71 and 2020, you know, and this is this is the same. And, the, and, and it just seems like, I mean, it's always been the same. You know, I think that they just now think that they have been given permission to be blatant with it. Yeah. So it's nothing that's changed. Yeah, that's, you know how they see us, and it's not everybody now. No, it's not. It's not. But that's right. the problem it's is that everybody. it's never. But the it's one, never everybody. But it's but it's a dangerous situation for Black American, for Black Americans at this time. It's a dangerous situation, and we have to be careful, and we have to pay attention. You know, for us creators, we have to create some stories that tell the truth, that visually tell the truth. This is our time to stand on that. And you know we have some icons doing it in a real big way. But this is our time to, that, to create some visual images that say something to this inhumane, ridiculous, 
mess that's going on that 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 most of us like i, I mean i i've already lived through the through uh I, I would i lived through martin luther king dying i lived through the burning and the looting and the and the protesting and the crying and the screaming i've lived through mothers uh personally out of mine i lived through as a little nine-year-old girl watching her run down the street because her son had got shot in the back by a police officer. This is close to home for me. Mm. You know? And so I, with my silly self, thought I'd never live through this again. That's the hope, ain't it? That, that was the, the hope. hope. Yeah. That was the hope. <laughs> yeah. You won't do this no more. You know? So. Ooh. It's, it's different. Yeah, and I'm gonna. Uh, you mentioned Marvin Gaye. I'm gonna add an, another thing to listen to is on uh, Gil Scott Heron, "Pieces of a Man." The yes. whole the whole album like still yes, still the whole so thing. Yeah. That was my boy. The whole thing. You know, <laughs> I mean, the only thing we got going on for us now that this revolution will be televised. Oh yeah, it's 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 on your phone <laughs> you right know? now. It's in, it's it'll in your be pocket. shot. Yeah. It'll be recorded. <laughs> it's we, everywhere. You know, it will, and that's all that we got going for. That it will be televised. You know, my I said to everybody and my, all the young men in my family, you know, when they arrested Aubrey's killers. So they didn't do that because they saw the tape. They did it because we saw the tape. Yeah, that's so true. You know, so, it, yeah, but it will be televised. It will be televised and it will be documented. And the whole world is watching how heinous and ridiculous this is. It's time out. You know, but as getting back to as people who create, man, this is just a good time for us to say something. It's a sad time that what we're saying has to be said. Right. But we can't miss this. Can't sleep on it. You know, and I'm I'm watching, you know, I don't know if y'all know this, but like I hate social I'm old, so I hate social media, <laughs> but man, I'm I'm wearing it out now because I'm watching and I'm reading everything and I don't want to miss a minute because I have too many black men in my life who I really love. Mm. And it's dangerous for them. It's dangerous for y'all. It's dangerous for y'all too. It's dangerous for us too. It really is. I'm glad that you pointed that out. Yeah. yeah. You know, I always say it's dangerous for y'all because I'm not going, I don't go out of my house. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, wait, wait, I really have been in, <laughs> but here's the truth. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's dangerous for black people. I'm watching some stuff and, you know, as a cop is beating up, apparently looks like a 14 year old kid. So there's no boundaries. There's no, there's no off limits. That's true, yo. And and uh, I think um, I posted earlier today about uh, one of my pieces, To Be Free, that I made mm. like a couple of years ago. And it's a, a woodcut of a black man figure. And he has these white hands like pulling at his shirt, pulling them down. Yes. About, uh, he's looking off at the sky. So I made that a few years ago. Like that was Obama right. era, like when I made yes. that. And yes. so even then, like I felt the anxiety and, and, um, yeah anxiousness and the in the frustration of what the system is because i saw what they did to him and he was the president of the united states as they say you know exactly. the leader of the free world and so exactly. uh but now looking at the piece like it has a whole different meaning it has a whole nother resonance so mm -hmm. all the things that i that i managed or think i managed to put into that piece 
uh, still ring true now and ring mm-hmm. true in a, in a much different way. In a different way. Than it was before. It's yeah. real loud. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, super loud. that bell that's ringing. Oh, my God. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. It's really loud. <laughs> yeah. And, and really so I is. think I think in, interesting. You share with me a, a few of the pictures, but this response that you are having to this particular incident. Um, I think you managed to to take that creative that creative spirit that you have, your energy, and focus all that passion into some really beautiful pieces. Because, because I think that who we are as a people, you know, our stuff is really beautiful. Really, I'm telling you, we different. Our stuff is really beautiful. Our swag, our flow, who we are. You know, our hair, everything. And here's the thing that I was thinking about. Hair is that, you know, I in 1978, I lived in West Africa. Uh, and that's a whole nother story for another time. But one of the things that I remembered was that many times the hairstyle basically said who you were. Mm. You know, who's, who you belonged to, who right. your family was. Right, has so much significance. It had, yeah, it had a lot of significance. So hair for us has always been very, very important. I always laugh because I have this thing where, you know, you can shake my hand, you can hug me, but I'll tell you, wait, don't touch my hair. (laughs) 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 I don't even know where I got that from. Like, "Mm -mm, mm -mm, don't touch my hair, you know. So we, we, you know, that's a, that's a significant thing for us, you know, but, um, it's 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 strange to me, and I and it shouldn't be, you know. I felt like I it shouldn't at this point. It shouldn't be. Nothing should be strange to me, but it's really strange to me that with all that we do, with and I'm going to use this little girl. When I questioned her, I said, "Well, how are you performing on your job?" And she says, "I'm the top performer in my unit." Mm. Mm. Right. <laughs> mm, and they still, they still pick them Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. She said, Auntie, I get here a little bit early. You know, she said, she said, you and Mommy always say we got to run faster and jump higher. She said, I do. I'm really conscious of that because I'm trying to make my way. So, so now you just got to find something because we can't be good. We can't be the best in the unit. We can't, something has to be wrong. Yeah, you're doing a great job, but, um, your hair is unprofessional. She said, I put my locks back and put them in a bun or on the top of my head. And she's sending me all these pictures. I said, listen, don't send me no more pictures. I know you're in these. <laughs> you know, really. I think this is crazy. But however she wore it. So, I, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't know. You don't see me. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, they're always going to find like something wrong. I think that's that's another thing that that comes up now about the idea of hope that you mentioned before is that now we're kind of confronted with this situation where uh, there is no acceptable evidence that we're equal. And so now what do we do? Right. right. And now what do you do now? What do you do when after all you've told all your kids that, you know, keep your hand on the wheel, don't make no sudden movements. Yeah. But then you have yeah. the two cops here in Atlanta that pulled the, the HBCU students out of there and tased them inside of the car before yeah. they even do anything. So now, yeah. like you, you backed all the way into a corner where there is nothing you can do. 
And so once that idea takes root, now what do we do? Now what kind of, what do you tell us that we, how do we fix it? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So you can no longer put the onus on the oppressed to have the answers. Right. Right. Because you don't see me. Exactly. When you have a white woman who makes up a story, I'm sure, you know, we'll see her next year on the Academy, on the uh, Oscars, or you make up this story. But you do it because you believe that nobody's going to believe him because he's black. Because mm. y'all, because my word is better than yours. Now, my lying word is better than yours. How dare you? And here's the truth. Had it been another person that approached her, maybe with a different lifestyle, maybe they would have believed her if he had no camera. Oh, Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But you feel like you have the right. Oh, I don't want to do this. So I'll just make up something and get you in trouble. I'll just lie on you. And I was laying in bed thinking about that. I said, wow, this is how they do it. We just got it again. Just got it on camera. I'm just going to lie on you. You know, it's the old, that old thing where you'll, you'll be watching like a TV show and the guy says, yeah, it was a bunch of black guys who came in and shot up the place. <laughs> and then when they found out it's not true, they said, oh, the black guy story. Yeah. Because that always works. Always. Just tell them it was, you know, you broke into your own house. Tell them you saw the people. They was black. They'll believe you. And that's a, that's a learned behavior. Uh, and that's a learned base. Yeah, because racism um, works both ways, you know. Yes. So when you when you make a law that says uh, a black person is not allowed to um, live in a building that has a single white occupant, like you're you're not yeah. only telling that black man that he doesn't belong, you're telling the white people that the black man don't belong. Absolutely. Right, and so you know these ideas they take root and they they kind of infect everything. But, you know, I have to say, you know, I don't, I don't even know. I, I literally was just walking around my house in fury saying, how long, man? Mm. I'm 65 years old. How long? This is crazy to me. You know, I, how long? How long? It's like being on a seesaw. You think you up, but you really down. You think it's all right, but it's not. You think you're moving forward, but you ain't. (laughs) You know, you ain't moving nowhere. You know, you're not moving anywhere. So how how did did you, like, before, in, in, like, back in your younger days when you were, um, when I was young and tender. <laughs> <laughs> You're still a queen. Don't worry about it. You're still a queen on here. <laughs> but yeah, but how how did how did you deal with it back then? I mean, were you were you still at that time back when before? Like pick a pick a time or uh, a place and just tell us like what what were you doing then? Like with your artwork so, and how did you is, reflect? Right. This is hilarious. So I grew up in a predominantly um, Jewish neighborhood. Um, went to my high school was the Jeff Shiva, which is the Jewish high school. And so when I I went to college and I got out of college, I wanted to move to Africa because straight you know, down, just, straight, straight, straight. <laughs> you know, I, I, I 
I wish I could blame it on drugs, you know. <laughs> but um, I went I went to Africa and um, learned a couple of things. Like I'm not African. Um, I'm of African descent, you know. Um, but it was a it was a learning experience. And let me tell you what I learned. And I don't get to talk about this often. I've learned that people who have never been enslaved are different from people who have. Mm. And I don't care how many generations go by. So what I thought, it was different. They were different. I learned that. Once, and have one say that to, that to me. Phyllis, we've never been enslaved. So what you think, because I was like, y'all so arrogant. What you think is arrogance? is what white people call privilege mm. because they've never been enslaved. And I had to really mull that over and say, okay, then I have to start setting myself free inside of me. I have to now, you know, tear down all of my generational stuff, you know, tear that out of me. And it's very, it's a, it's a process. I'm still tearing every day. I just want y'all to know that because <laughs> the flip, the script, and I don't want to be, um, I want to live in the process, right? Because it can consume you, and that's the whole idea: is to get things to consume you so you don't live. If you, if you, if right now we're consumed with this and we're not living because we're thinking about it all the time because it's real. You're thinking about it when you let your kids go to the mailbox. You're thinking it's a lot. I think this whole thing is such a, so diabolical, you know, it's so, and we have this depraved man, this insane human being. So what is this? That's my question to you. What is this? That's a good question. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I mean, really, what is this? Yeah. I I, I think, you know. You want to be me. But you don't like me. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a. You like animosity. my music. You like everything. Up, really. You like my music. You spend money, money. I had a white woman tell me this, and I I'm I was stunned. She said she had gotten her lips redone, and she said, "Phyllis, it was more painful than having both of my babies put together." And I never had children, but I have many people who have, and all they tell me. Girl, you ain't never seen no pain like that. So I'm thinking, if you got to be crazy. You doubled that up because you want to be me. For something that don't even last. Right. <laughs> I think you got to get it done like every three yeah, years. Yeah. But she'll sign up. You don't even pain. like you. But she'll sign up for that pain. You don't even like you. She'll sign up for that pain. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And pay for it. Mm. Yeah. You don't even like you. You don't like your how you how you address my imaging. You don't even like yours because you're trying to get yours to look as close to mine as possible. I was like, wow. So, and I I had her rolling. I said, girl, anything to do with cutting and needles and all of that. I try to stay as far as far away from that. <laughs> well, you, well, you don't need it. You don't need it, girl. Yeah. Yeah. If don't no cream do it. <laughs> if I can't get it out of this cocoa butter. Okay. Then, like, Y'all better get it. the shade. Because <laughs> <laughs> if that don't work, <laughs> oh, well, you know. 
yeah, so back to, um, you know, the new series. It was just a way for me to speak on something that I would, that I felt very deeply about. I was, I took it personal, you know, in a way that, that made me, you know, come to the studio and get down in the sense of, I need to say something about this. So let, let's yeah. talk about um, one in particular, and I think we can get into a little bit of how you do your thing. Um, mm-hmm. Let's pick one of the pieces called A Natural Woman. And, okay. And kind of break that, break that down for us and tell us, like, how would you start um, and how do you, yeah, just just go from there. All right. So I'm going to, um, listen, this is so funny. I got to go back and look at that one so I could talk about it. Yeah. So that one, um, it's like the background is like a, if you've noticed, it has like a lion and tigers and elephants because I wanted it to be um, like from the beginning. And in here I used, you know, I have a tree and I use flowers and all of the outfits are quilted. I'm a quilt maker. And I want it because I think quilting is, you know, taking what you've been given putting it together and making something wonderful out of it. I think that's what we do. That's what black lives do. That's what my mother did and my mother and my grandmother and my great grandmother, they made stuff wonderful from what they was given, you know, or what they were allowed to get. You know, we never, I have a joke. We never even knew. I actually thought I grew up rich. <laughs> that's like the biggest joke. Mm. Um, and most of us, think that most of us think that because we knew how to put something together so I wanted to make the dresses the whole dresses are quilted I wanted to make sure that they were put together and something beautiful was made out of and then the hair on it is is untamed is natural doesn't have anything in it it's it's free and so people um Everybody who's seen the piece commented because there's a Bobby doll that the woman is holding like she a pocketbook um, kind of thing to say, your beauty in this one, really, naturally your beauty can't touch me. What are you trying to do? You can never stand up to my beauty. And I'm speaking from my own personal opinion. You know, mm-hmm. and never, you know, I, I, I see black women. I don't think there's anything more beautiful on this earth. We come in all shades, all sizes. We got all, we just got some stuff going on. I have a dear artist friend and he always say, nothing like no black woman. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I know exactly what he means. He ain't nothing like that. I was like, there's nothing like it. You know, we got that fire. <laughs> you know, I always say that'll warm you or burn you the hell up. We got all of that. You know, <laughs> uh, hopefully both. Hopefully both. That's what you're saying. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. right. My hopefully <laughs> both. You know, because <laughs> every now and then that warming fire that we have, mm-hmm. that that is, it, that's sensational. And I know that they don't see us. But they know that we have something in us that they don't have.
Yo, this is Sean Rucker, Detroit's finest. You listen to the Studio Noise Podcast. And when you're making your quilts, like, do you have just like a room of materials? like sitting around like all different kinds of fabrics and stuff like that you have no idea <laughs> <laughs> you ain't been into no fabric store that could touch me <laughs> you know? I, I can i can tell because a lot of these like especially in the patterns i'm gonna switch to a different image um the one called uh, a perfect image that has oh, the yeah. woman and her daughter in it um, i love that one and it's it's the way that it's so many patterns that you're using um, yeah. and and piecing together, but they all have a harmony to them, and I, mm-hmm. and, I and that obviously is not a coincidence. And so that's yeah. you obviously have to have a, a a huge assortment of fabrics that you can choose from to be able to get like this specific thing. Like when you're picking fabrics, how long does it take you, or is it kind of instinctual? Like you just know how these things. Yeah, fit together? this is. I have this saying that I say to other quilt makers, and um, what I say. You got to get, I don't care what you're making, pretty fabric makes pretty quilts. Mm. You get some ugly fabric, because all fabric's <laughs> not beautiful. <laughs> you know, I don't care how good you are, you're going to ugly up your piece, right. you know. So, <laughs> so I start to sometimes, you know, because I'm creating uh, images, and so I buy fabric that looks like a tree trunk or looks like leaves or looks like a sky. You know, it looks like it. It gives me the feel of those things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm trying to create a picture by using fabrics. I can't paint it in. You know, I can't. I'm not. I'm cutting it. I'm cutting out the fabric and shapes. But that piece of fabric has to transcend um, just being a flat piece of fabric into a sky. Mm-hmm. And we know that, you know, you know, as a as a painter, that a sky is very blue. It's not just a straight blue. Right. So then I have to find um, fabric that has that variations, or or put it together in that very in that variations. But speaking, I mean, I have uh, two huge rooms of fabric, <laughs> huge rooms <laughs> of fabric. An organization is my friend. (laughs) I'm not always friendly with it, (laughs) but uh, unfortunately, it is my friend. Um, Yeah, but I want to talk about that piece. It's called Perfect Image, and it's a little girl and her mom, and that's real beauty to me. You know, when I was a little girl, I just thought my mom was so beautiful and and lovely and kind and wonderful and that was my image maker mm. yeah i actually look like my father but that's who i wanted <laughs> that's my image maker right you know right yeah oh yeah that's my image maker so um she set the standard of how my imagery would be how i felt about myself you know and she did that she would, I, I tell people this, when we, when I was little, there was a couple of things that my mom did that were hilarious. And one, she would say, my daughter can do anything. And I would say, no, I can't. She was like, yes, you can. <laughs> and I would say, I'm just a little kid, you know. And, she, and she'd say, you're, you're seven. I said, I'm not seven, I'm six. She would go, well, you're almost seven, you know. But she, I tell people, I said, I, my mother really believed that. What was wrong with her? And she believed it so much that she made me believe that. Mm. 
you can't do art unless you believe you could do anything. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be sitting in a corner crying. You got to have that kind of thing in you that this is in me to do. And I'm and and against all odds, and yeah, I, I look at artists and especially, and I'm going to use he's a dear friend of mine, um, Wack Kevin Williams. I'm going to use him. I hear people talking about Kevin, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, he's this, he's that, you know, he's a superstar." But you know, well, we're you know, this man had a beginning. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ask him about the beginning when when it was hard. When, you know, when he wasn't there, he, he walked us out, you know, but he didn't get to, he didn't get to get in a car and ride to the destination. He walked us out and walking is hard, you know, and I could name many, I could go on and on and on and on, you know, but yeah, this is, you can't be no artist unless you got some faith, unless you believe, you know, and I don't care what nobody say, there's still, I don't care how big you get, there's still some mornings that you wake up. One of my dearest friends and artists, Paul Goodnight, you wake up and say, man, I hope I can do this. Mm. You know? And you're looking at, I'm looking at him like, what are you talking about? But yeah, <laughs> you got to believe right. that you could do this. And I've had some fabulous artists come to my door and say, I don't know if nobody likes me. He's like, man, what is wrong with you? <laughs> because there are days that it can get to be a lot. Yeah. We make it look shiny because y'all see us in public. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because <laughs> we, see, we see the finished pieces. That's what it is. Right. Yeah. You see the finished you, you up there. Yeah. This looks yeah. really shiny. Look at her. <laughs> she must be doing good. Yeah. I have a joke that I've been telling lately. Let me tell y'all how much money I want. I want the money that people think I got. <laughs> That's all. Because I'm thinking, what is wrong with these folk? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> I want that about you know, especially my family. I'm like, crazy. <laughs> and so when I tell them I'm over here barely making it, you know they don't believe me. They're like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so yeah, because we make this look real easy, and it is in the sense that when you do something you love. Mm. Yeah. You know, like when you got a little infant and they wake up all night long and it's hard, but that love man make you get up every time you hear that cry. That's kind of like, I, that's how I feel about art. When ain't nobody buying nothing, when everybody then lied to me and said they was going to do stuff, but they didn't come through. When I'm feeling real low or alone in this industry, you can feel alone. When I'm feeling real bad, that love for what I do. Make me get up and still do it. That's strong. Yeah, man, you got to love it. You can't be, you know, you can't be no artist thinking, I think I'll do art. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got you to gotta have that, the need to do it. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, you got to have, I wish I had, I always say, I wish I felt about, Art. I wish I felt about exercise the way I felt about art. You know, <laughs> unfortunately, I, know. I ain't quite got that love. <laughs> but yeah, I it, it I don't care. I don't care what you know a, a dealer that I may have calls me and say. You know, we didn't sell anything. It doesn't because I love it so much. Because it's in it. It's in me. I look around sometimes and say, "What is wrong with you?" 
you got 82 pieces that's not sold. <laughs> you down here working because I got to get what's inside of me out. Right. Yeah. That's so you awesome. can become a, a real focused person. <laughs> that's awesome. So what you, know, you talked a little bit about your mother. Was she an artist too? No, she was not. She was a believer. And I say a believer because whatever you told my mother that you wanted to do, she made you believe that you could do it. That's like the greatest mom in the oh, world. Mamas do that, don't they? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, they you, can make it. Your do little it. stuff be raggedy. You can't dance. <laughs> you know, you can't throw no basketball. You can't, you know, yeah. you can't sew. You can't do nothing. But then after a while, you believe what she said. That's your that's your step. You know, and then you get halfway, like, whatever. And you believe what she said. Again, you move up a little bit more. Man, mamas do that. My mother was a believer. Whatever I said I wanted to do, she believed that I could do it. And so inevitably, she put that inside of me. And you ever saw, like, an old piece? I have. I saw a piece. It was so funny. This happened to me maybe a couple of years ago at a dear friend's house who had a piece that I did about 40 years ago. Stuff falling off. Look how crazy. (laughs) And I said, Jackie, I'll tell you what, sweetheart. I thought I was doing her a favor. I'll give you, you know, pick something out that I'm doing now. She said, really, Phyllis, I don't like your work now. This is, she said, this is organic. This is the real deal. I'm looking like, (laughs) wow. And that let me know that, you know, whatever I put in that piece at that time, it was for her. Right. Because she still loved it. All on the fireplace. I wanted to, like, see if we could just sew a piece of fabric on the name. Okay, you ain't got to give it back. Let me just cover this name up, you know. <laughs> and it was probably, like, maybe, maybe the first or second year I decided this was going to be what I did. Yeah, I was like, wow. She says, this one you put in the real, real. I was shocked. (laughs) I said, it was real, all right. (laughs) (laughs) And you just learn, you know. You learn by visually seeing some things. You learn by mistakes. You learn by maybe classes. You just learn. So it got better, thank the Lord. But that was a a great lesson. You know, she was looking at me like, I don't like your stuff now. (laughs) She talking about it's too it's too refined. Uh, I was like, oh, oh she like that, right? she like yeah, raw I like it raw. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I said, okay. Now I gotta. Hey, I mean, she checked me good. It put it gave me a whole different perspective, and she checked me good because sometimes you, I don't know, you just think. I said, wow, you know that that was a real eye opener. Yeah, that's, don't that's even funny. like what you're doing now. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's funny. Do, do you think that, that that had any real validity? Like, do you feel like some of your pieces may be, like, too refined? Or do you feel like you, you're saying you're getting to where you want to get to? I'm getting. I wish I could quilt like I, like I imagine that I want to. Mm. I wish I could quilt like I see my end of my journey quilting. One of the things that I like about this whole thing is that I was able to put a lot of stuff in it. Sometimes when you do this for a full 
full time, you're trying to get your best image out so that it can be seen, so it can be sold, so you can pay that mortgage. You know, it's a it's a grind. Yeah. But um, for for me, because I did this new series during the corona, and I got to do just what I wanted. And I took my time, and all of the flowers you say are cut out individually and sewn on there. And, you know, I just took some real care that sometimes I don't get to do. And I learned some things. You know, I learned some new techniques. I was I had time to experiment with them. It takes weeks to do that. And when you're a working artist, you know, you you have four shows coming up. You don't have time. You don't have that much time for experimentation. Right. So I was I was happy to do that. And I've been putting in more. This is funny. I've been putting in more work time. Um, probably because I ain't got nowhere to go. You know? <laughs> Coming to the studio is an adventure. Like, ah, the studio, you know. <laughs> I had a, I saw, I think I saw on Facebook where somebody says, well, I think I'll go and uh, visit in the kitchen now. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the studio is an adventure. I, I, didn't, I didn't organize fabric baskets that, I've been wanting to organize for five years. They all they looking good right now. Oh, man. You know? You're taking advantage of the time. Because I don't, I just think that it's going to end. Right. And maybe I'll be a little bit more ready than I was before it started. I don't get to do that that often. Right. I don't know about y'all, but I, but like, I know I have a show and they're picking up my work like Thursday. Wednesday night, I'm working to three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I have friends who are like, uh, "What's this pile?" Oh yeah, in three weeks they'll be here to get this. That's just not me, you know. <laughs> so um, yeah, that sounds like Charlie. Yeah, that is Charlie. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Charlie call you up and say, I-, "I did 18 pieces in three days," <laughs> and then this is what this is. Wait a minute, and this is the terrible thing about Charlie, and you go in there. Yeah. I used to say that to him that to him. I can't even do a quilt in eighteen days. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean they're eighteen and not just like incredible. And they speak to you and they all say something. You know. And I always say, Man, your mind his mind must be like a massive at massive speed all the time. Which is which is real beautiful. Oh, he drinking some juice. He needs to give us. Some, you know? <laughs> I know that's right. I need to get right, some of right. That. Yeah, can I have some of that? <laughs> but now, you know, you ain't no slouch yourself, though. Like we ain't gonna under undersell your stuff. Like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick a piece from your website um, called Sweet Amelia's Garden. Um, yeah. When I see a that's piece an like old that, piece. Yeah. yeah, but it's but it's so it's so full. Like the, yeah. that's the only thing I can it's about think of my grandmother. Yeah. Oh yeah, tell us about it then. Yeah, that piece, uh, when I was a little girl, I spent my summers, I I grew up in Connecticut, and I spent my summers in Athens, Georgia, with my grandmother. And my grandmother was an avid gardener, you know, like the old-time gardener. Like, it wasn't no rhyme or reason. It was just flowers everywhere. She had no patch, no rocks cutting it off. It was just, and she would work in that garden, like, hard. And I would always crack up laughing, because she would get to, like, the first step and say, Lord, I'm so tired. (laughs) <laughs> and I would think, like, if you came out of the sun, like, three hours ago, you <laughs> might be all right. So um, I didn't get the green thumb, you know. Um, but, yeah, and I love flowers. I love everything about them. And she would, and, it, and for her, that was the way that she created beauty. 
My grandmother um, also taught me how to quilt. Um, so she, to me, was like the first person that I knew personally that was a master creator. Yeah, she created beauty in her garden. She created beauty with her quilt making. She created uh, beauty with her with her hot biscuits and homemade jams. She was a she was a she created beauty um, in a way that was non comparable to anyone else. So you know, when we drove to her sister's house, we'd look at their garden and be like, "Her garden kind of small, not like yours, Grandma." <laughs> she would say, she would say, she don't work as hard as me at it. <laughs> so that told me that if you won't do something, you don't have to work. You know, I had, I saw that somebody said the only time, um, uh, the only where success comes before work is in the dictionary. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's a true statement. <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny how even as children we can see. Like kind of that magic in everyday stuff that people like. I don't know if she would have. I don't. Know, and I don't know your grandmother, but I'm just saying, like my grandmother, she wouldn't necessarily give uh, the level of mastery to what she did that we do. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I can see my grandmama cook for everybody in two hours, and mm-hmm. and it all is delicious and good, and go together with the spices and everything. Mm-hmm. And to her, it's just life, right? You know what right. I'm saying? Like right. so. That so it's, it's funny that even as a child, that like, you can pick up on that thing, yeah. and you can see, you can dissect. Like it is the work that she did. It was the investment and love that she put into yeah. into just living her life as she saw it, but created yeah. these fabulous yeah. results that she doesn't give a claim to, but we can give a claim to. Like especially Absolutely. like through a piece like this, through through the artwork. Oh, yeah, it was beautiful. I think that sometimes you don't get a chance to realize who they were until much later on. I would leave my grandmother's, and then I would go to my father's oldest sister's house, um, my aunt sis. And my aunt sis, my grandmother taught me how to sew by hand, and my aunt sis taught me how to sew on a sewing machine. And what I didn't realize is that my aunt sis lived in Atlanta. So what I didn't realize was that my aunt sis was the head cook for... Uh, Big Boy, which I think was owned by Shoney's or something. So she had to be at work. And she didn't drive. She had to be at work at 5 o'clock. And she would get home about 2. And then she would come in and cook us a full dinner. And I would be waiting after we ate for our sewing lessons. And Mm -hmm. we'd sew until like 10 o'clock that night. And as a kid, I didn't even appreciate that this lady who's keeping her Baby brothers, little kids, all her kids were grown. Baby brothers, little kids, and how much she put in us and took care of us. And she would cook meals like, you know, chicken, dressing, fried corn, cabbage. You know, she didn't cook. You know, we didn't have fast food. This lady cooked meals every day for us. Um, And when I think about all that she had to do, take the bus, get up at 3, get dressed, take the bus, two buses to work. You know, to work standing on her feet all day, take those same buses back home, cook our dinner, and then work with her niece to teach her how to sew. Wow. That's love. That's love, man. That's love. I had my nieces and nephews for like a weekend. <laughs> yes, 
Like I, I'm telling, I'm telling their parents. Like at four o'clock, y'all better be here. (laughs) 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 And so when I look at my hot sis, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. (laughs) You know, that's love. That's love. Love will make you, you know, what this song say, love make you do what you would not do (laughs) all day long. I didn't think I would do that. <laughs> so yeah, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. You can't. I love that about art. You can't. You're not going to a job, sitting there, pushing the papers around. And I'm not um, minimizing that job, but I'm saying you can't go. You gotta be in it. And if you're not, let me tell you something from personal experience. If you ain't in it, you get finished. You'd be like. Man, who did that? <laughs> you know? yeah, you, you better be in it. Put that on the bottom of the stack. You don't want to Where's the lady who bought that first piece? She might like this. <laughs> Where's she at? Because it's raw. <laughs> I, think, I think what I, I like about hearing you talk about your work, too, is it... it, it your work is becoming a a reflection of you and the experience that you have. So you do a lot of narrative quilts and like, is this kind of, they're all narrative. They all have a story. Yeah. So all, are all these stories like this personal to you or are you getting it from different places? You know, it's, I, I say, I say this all the time. It's stories that live inside of me and they don't all belong to me. You know, if I hear, you know, sometimes I'm casual talking, uh, just the other day, I heard a young girl talking about her son, and um, I was laughing. She was mad, but I was cracking up laughing. And when I walked away, I said, girl, I'm going to quilt that, and it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> 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 you know? She said, well, take him for a study. Let him be a I was like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, yeah, so it doesn't. It's just, it's, and when I'm quilting, it's just about us, who we are. We all know those stories, yeah. man. You knew the story about my grandmother, you know. <laughs> you knew, I mean, you just know those stories. Know the stories. Um, I, I've had, went down and spent some time with my nephew and his son, and I kept laughing. And they was like, Auntie, why are you laughing? I said, because that's you. You know, and so we all know those story. It brought me so much joy to see his son. And my, my nephew was getting mad at his son. Like, no, I need you to do this. And I was looking at him. He was like, I'm going to get him. I say, ain't nobody whoop you, boy, stop it. You know? <laughs> he, you, you know? So it was, it was so beautiful. Um, it's basically all of our stories are the same. You know, we want, what we want out of life is typically the same. You know, to be seen, to be loved. You know, that's why it hurts black people so much. We ain't seen, you don't see me. Yeah. You don't see me. Yeah. And that's not a lot yeah. to ask for. Right. You don't see me. You don't, you don't see me. You don't see the hurt that it causes me. I don't know this man. But when you killed Floyd, you killed something in me. You don't see me. So, Because when I look at him, I see my brother. Right. And I think it's it's sort of a, there's a collective consciousness to it, too, where when I look at one of your pieces and, uh, you know, like something random like, 
uh, black girl magic or something like that. Like oh, yeah. a, like that piece is reflective of somebody that I know personally. Yes. Uh, just from my experience, and then I, I'm bringing that into your artwork as well. But you're yes. putting it there too, like so. So it's uh, you, it's a some uh, what is the word I'm looking for? A symbiotic relationship that's happening. Absolutely. Like like these two things have to come together. Like you know, I I um, one of the reasons that we, as we're talking about George Floyd. Uh, when I see a picture of him with his daughter, I, I've got a picture like that with my daughter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when I saw Trayvon Martin and saw him in high school, I was that kid in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's that kind of thing. And if you can't, you can't have an empathy for a person that's not yourself. Absolutely. You know, it's um, it's a sad thing. But it's a sad thing. And I thought about the hurt that I. Saw my aunt when her son was shot. I thought about the scream that I heard when she was running down the street. I never heard nobody scream like that. I thought about that. It was painful. These memories are painful. The things that live inside of us, they're not. They're painful, man. You don't see me. And stop it. You don't see me. You know? So, what you see, you what you see, that ain't me. Yeah. You couldn't see me and keep your neck, keep your knee on a man's neck until all the breath came from his body. Couldn't see him. And that's one of the responses I give when I'm in, uh, I'm getting my MFA now. So when I'm in grad school and having those, those, you know, art, academic art conversations where they, mm-hmm. they're asking me, uh, should I, or is it my duty to just continuously show these black images? And I think that's one thing I love about your quilts is that they're still, they may be telling a similar story to another person, but you can never tell it enough because you still never. don't see it. Like I don't even don't have no other it. stories. <laughs> <laughs> because they, and you know what? You don't I need tried. any other story because this story <laughs> is the story. Yes, I don't even have no other stories. I tried years ago. A, a dear friend of mine commissioned me to do um, mother daughter, a mother baby, a Madonna, a Madonna quilt for her daughter in law. And uh, when I got finished with it, it was just basically a black lady with some like beige fabric. And I felt like I felt when you remember those old time figurines that were white women and they just had painted the faces like oh, gray, yeah. brown. Yeah. You knew she wasn't black, you know. <laughs> well, that's and I said, I'll never do this again. She's going to either have to buy if she don't want this black mama to give to her <laughs> daughter-in-law. She, I got to refer her to somebody. I'm not going to do this. I said, I didn't even want to sign it. Mm. I said, this is just a shame. (laughs) (laughs) And then I realized from that point on, I said, you, you are not the artist that can do that technical artist. I ain't got no technique. You are not that technical artist that just can do anything. You, if it ain't in you, it's a mess. Right. I'm that artist. And I know that there's some artists you could just give them any subject, but they train themselves to do that, you know, or, or I don't know how they get to that point. I haven't discovered that. 
say, you let me do something, it'd be so crazy. That was the craziest <laughs> piece I've ever done. And she bought it because I think she felt bad for me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, you, I, she says, I could tell you put a lot of time in it. I said, I did the best I could do. You know, <laughs> normally I'm trying to tie and tell her nothing. I was shocked she gave me a check. Like, it was a a black lady with a black baby. And then I had like this slightly tan fabric to put her face. Mm. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> At best, it looked like a light-skinned black woman. You know? <laughs> I said, leave that alone. That's not, you know, I, I, I like to do things well. You know, if I cook something, whatever I do, I want to do it well. I really, that's my mother put that in me. Always do your best. And so, you know, it really was my best, but it just looked, too much of a mess for me. I said, "You got to, you got This is a learning. This is a, this is a, this is a le- take note. Don't do this no more." <laughs> you know? Yeah, and you know, we. I'm gonna have to bring you back on the podcast. We had to end the in the hour, hour together, but man, you got so so much to say, so many stories. We didn't even get into all the art collecting and stuff you do. So I'm gonna have to yeah. bring you back. But yo, it's oh, been yeah. it's always great talking to you. You're Thank you're you. amazing. Oh wow! Thank you. Yeah. So keep keep doing the work. Keep representing for us, and they can find your art at phyllisstevensart.com. What's your Instagram? That's it. My Instagram is Little Shepherd Girl. Little Shepherd Girl. Where's that from? That's because that's how I see myself. It's just somebody out here that's <laughs> really that's really in the in the fields trying to make it happen. And while I'm doing it, this is the most important thing for me in art is that. For you artists and the ones who know me, I'm always trying to watch over y'all. You know, I'm always trying to say a prayer, a kind word, support and promote. That's why I'm that's why I'm a little shepherd girl. Oh man, that's powerful. You <laughs> you, you all right with me, Phyllis. All right with me. You same here. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. great. Yeah, awesome. We'll do it again. Yeah, we definitely, I definitely got to bring you back because there's so much more we can get into. But thank you for coming on. You're welcome. Have a great day. it another episode of studio noise podcast big shout out to phyllis stevens thank you so much for bringing your beautiful voice on the podcast to the noise and i know that everybody's out there waiting so patiently for the next episode of the podcast y'all know but i know y'all can't wait we'll have our special guest painter extraordinaire mr christopher batten will be on the podcast next week and in the meantime, between time, you need something to listen to the vibe out in your studio. Of course, I'm going to recommend that you listen to the new John Legend album, Bigger Love. It's great, not just because it's John Legend, but because Studio Noise fam Charlie Palmer did the cover for it. Another amazing job, Charlie. Big shout out to him. Yo, check that out. Uh, I And of course, I will always love John Legend. He he knows how to give up the vibe, yo.
you can always count on John to bring it, Joe. And this, this some love song, some love, love. <laughs> I definitely, definitely appreciate this. I've been, I'm going to listen to it right now. I definitely want to thank y'all for listening to the podcast, checking us out. Sure do appreciate it. Uh, right now, wherever you're listening, if it's Google Play, if you're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, why don't you hit that subscribe button? Make sure you don't miss an episode. If you're on Apple, why don't you write us a five-star review? Get us pumped up in the charts. Let everybody know about the noise. And you can contact us at Studio Noise Podcast on Instagram. Uh, we got a Facebook page, all that good stuff. If you want to shoot us an email, send it to studionoisepodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to get at us individually, you can holler at my co-host, Jicky Jazz. She's at Negress.Supreme. Don't forget that dot. You got your boy, Jay Barber Studio, on all your social medias. And of course, to all my artists out there, if I come up, you come up. If I ball out, you ball out. If I'm up popping, you popping. I got it. You got it, baby. You the fam. We're going to make some noise. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. <laughs>